Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies podcast. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my bro. Wesley, hello. And today we're discussing love. Actually, this is a holiday bonus episode, so you're welcome. <laughs> Wes? Well, how welcome are they going to feel when we trash <laughs> their, their all-time favorite? This movie was marketed as the ultimate romantic comedy, which it says on the DVDs. Really? Yep. According to whom? According to the DVDs. The Florida I, Sun I, Times. Right. <laughs> I assume one-off reviewer who's looking for who's looking for printable bites, uh, sound bites, came up with that one, and sure enough, it landed on the uh, on the cover and uh, objective achieved. Yes. You're it, welcome, Florida. Um, Sun Times. Picayune Tribunal. <laughs> no, this is a definitely a holiday favorite. I think. Um, uh, I mean, as a matter of fact, this is one of my friend Kim's favorite movies. Not only holiday movies, but like movies of all time. So much so that she dragged all of us to go see the Love Actually live show last year. I didn't know such a thing exists, but it's a testament to how enduring this endearing movie is. <laughs> oh, endearing is it? Yeah. You So, okay. Well, tell me about that. I've seen Love Actually a few times. Um, I don't have holiday favorites that I pull out on a regular basis, but... Love actually has just landed in my lap so many times that I've seen it enough so that I didn't need to revisit it for the purposes of this episode. Oh, okay. So tell me what you remember or what you liked about it. I remember everything. Mm -hmm. Love actually is notable because it is a British movie um, that was released a year before it was released in America. Uh, It did feature some prominent American actors. Uh, which is good. Ooh, your favorite, Laura Linney. Laura Linney is a really good actress. And you think she's hot. Laura Linney is a really good actress. Um, Love Actually, though, is a massive ensemble ensemble in that's difficult to pull off. Um, interweaving the storylines either becomes too complex and it stumbles over its own feet, or you just sort of let go and uh, get the fuzzies and and then you're satisfied by how satisfactorily these people intertwine. You know, how, is is the connection good? Oh, okay, otherwise it's like, eh, that strains credibility a little bit, but it's fine. A the, little bit. Right, but it doesn't have to intertwine as much. They did it as a courtesy, so we care about these characters, why? First, on their own merits, because they're introduced individually, and then we all kind of dovetail at the end, and that's fine. But the message, as you can see from the opening of the movie, is just that it's about love. Hugh Grant's character talks about the people in airports and how, even though he doesn't know them, he just loves to watch their expressions of love towards each other. Is this Hugh Grant pre- or post-hooker? I don't know. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I definitely know, but it kind of puts a damper on it, don't you think? (laughs) I think that this is post-Hooker, because he's less floppy than his Notting Hill hair days or whatever. Yeah. He's not the Englishman who went up a hill and came down a mountain. He's slightly older Hugh Grant. I think this is post, and as all good uh, hooker-boning... you know, politicians, he's ascended to the highest level of his government. <laughs> so you want to hear what my, my, uh, my ultimate problem with this film is? It's just too fantastical. Like, I get it. I get what it's trying to achieve. It achieves it successfully. You walk away with these fuzzies. If you let yourself go, go with it. Just go. But um, it's, it's just too fantastical for me, and it, and it, and it bugs me. Uh, what part? What aspects are fantastical? What rubs up against you? The the love stories are are just. I mean, especially the love story between the king and uh, the Portuguese chick. The king. Yeah, from King's Speech. Oh right, Colin first character and uh, Aurelia. Uh-huh. Yes, okay. which you know I think Aurelia has an awesome name, but other than that, her character is pretty. Uh, I mean, their their whole love story is just so far fetched, and the proposal and the bar and the thing. It's like come. On. All right, so it's a little bit heavy-handed. It definitely is supposed to be satisfying in a in a conventional romantic comedy sense, right? And the fact that they don't have any discourse, the fact that they just love because love is love and love is what they have, is I think it fits in perfectly with this movie. I think we accept that these people are going to have a love journey that ends in success. Then why do I leave this movie feeling mad? Because there are aspects of this movie that those may be just fluff. They may be just the love filler around uh, the heavier themes of this movie, which aren't as happy, which is what makes this movie interesting. I note I did not say good, but interesting in that for the ultimate romantic comedy, a lot of the times it's neither romantic nor comedic. They went a lot of different directions, and this movie explores lots of different stories that don't all end up fuzzy. Meaning Which, like the Laura Linney or the, um, or the Alan Rickman stories. Right. And notice that we have the heavy hitters in those roles. When it comes to the stories that aren't as happy, Laura Linney can sell that. She's really, really good, really good at that. Alan Rickman is, is great in his role, and so is um, Emma Thompson. Alan Rickman's character and Emma Thompson's character going through maybe the hardest relationship in the movie both sell it so admirably. Yeah, that's true. And you give it, you're right, you give those roles to the heavy hitters. But Colin Firth is a heavy hitter. He is, and maybe he can sell that crap as believable or charming. It's always, it always has struck me as odd that Colin Firth is a romantic character figure, like in Bridget Jones and all that. You're American. It all goes back to Pride and Prejudice. And his Mr. Darcy trumps all in the minds of the British ladies. Really? Yep. So that was like that he sold in and then he's just been coasting on his Mr. Darcy credit yep. credibility? I, I think it's kind of like uh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke read a mean tweet where he said, Ethan Hawke seems like a movie star where he wasn't meant to be a movie star, but then he became one and everyone was like, all right. <laughs> I think that Colin Firth found himself in a role that people really loved. He was, he was the Legends of the Fall Tristan of the British ladies and uh, never looked back. Really? But he's, I mean, does he have British looks? Like, is he considered handsome? I guess so. Do you think Renee Zellweger's got the British look? I don't know. Um, by all accounts, her accent is so spot on that it even gave the Brits the warm and fuzzies. <laughs> so she sold it enough where it feels 
kind of silly to me, but people loved it enough, so they're like, she's our Richard Jones, and made four movies or whatever, three movies. Supposedly that's how they felt or feel about Gwyneth Paltrow as well, right? Emma or, or Emma, right? Yeah, she was in Emma. Yeah, and um, Shakespeare. Yes. So that she was, her, her British accent was good enough so that she could play any one of those roles. Right. I don't, I'm not going to hate on Gwyneth Paltrow. You better not. Okay. <laughs> um, Love Actually. Yeah. Um, is it silly? For sure. But I like watching this movie. With a few notable exceptions, I, this movie engages my attention in a way that generally romantic comedies don't. I think that it was different enough, and I can focus on certain storylines and disregard others as maybe being too silly. But as holiday movies go, that are aiming directly for my romantic comedy, uh, you know, sensitivity or receptivity, this one works. I feel like this movie kind of infuriates me, which, and I'm blaming it on the fantastical nature of these relationships. And, and that is a little weird to me because, I mean, I definitely have, I mean, Titanic's one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, the love story is totally fantastical, but maybe it's because it's grounded in this um, semi-historical setting and there's this amazing high, this is amazing visual effects and action or something like that, or maybe it's a kind of, maybe it's, I just don't know. I mean, I, that's, I, that fantasy sells me, but this one, like I just, it, I, like I see these characters and I'm, and I feel like maybe the Laura Linney love story should have worked out and the Colin Firth Portuguese girl one shouldn't have, like it feels wrong. So you feel like this is not the intertwining, this is the, the, these relationships on their merits alone, and maybe if they had had something more grandiose and impactful, like the Titanic in the background, they would have sold you more, but on its own, they're too flimsy to be believable or enjoyable? Yeah, and maybe so. And maybe it's um, not only on their own, but as a group, like the president and the, and the chubby chick, and Laura Linney with the hot writer, like, like putting them all together is what makes this so unbelievable. I agree. So we did because I agree because we did our family guy fam <laughs> we did our family man episode um, where I revisited a movie I haven't seen in a while. And I, I, again, admittedly, I haven't seen Love Actually this year, but I've certainly seen it last year or re recently enough that I can talk about it. But when I rewatched Family Man, there were issues that I had that I didn't have the last time I saw it. And I've never thought about love actually critically until now. Didn't have to. And recollect, recalling the movie now, there are definitely scenes that are cringe-worthy for me and really hard to watch. And maybe I'm glossing them over for a, gen for a generally fuzzy movie that I didn't really have a problem with. Still, there are parts of this movie that I simply cannot watch. Like? The Hugh, the Hugh Grant dancing scene, oh, it's just so <laughs> awkward. I, 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 I haven't watched that scene in years. It is so awkward. But that's where Hugh Grant really shines. Oh, no, When no, he's no. The, the fluttery eye, stuttery dude who's in a really awkward position. He's in that, in that position the entire role in, in this movie. He does that plenty. I don't need him dancing around. It was so awkward. The president scene with Billy Bob Thornton is hard for me to watch. Um, I like how the American cowboy president's the bad dude. Yeah, that's British, uh, the luxury, but Billy Bob accepted that role, and he's, he, you know, 
I think he sells it as the creepy, lecherous cowboy president. Cowboy president. <laughs> um, what? A, and and yeah, some of the 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 sillier stuff like uh, the Aurelia um, proposal in the bar and gathering the family and all that stuff and all the Portuguese stuff is definitely silly. And I, for the most part, rolled with it. Um, I don't seek out this movie like, hey, it's time to bring out Love Actually again. I definitely don't do that. But when I've seen it, I've enjoyed aspects of it. And sometimes when it comes to movies that overall don't work maybe as, as cleanly as they should, I focus on the minutia. Or when I go back, I'll focus on the things that I do like. The always watchable Alan Rickman, the amazing Laura Linney, and the stuff that I really enjoy about the movie, I'll focus on just those parts. Mm-hmm. Like The Family Man, not for a romantic comedy, it's definitely not a Christmas movie for everybody. It's for adults. And the relationship, and there's a lot of serious themes, and there's a lot of nudity, which I guess for Britain isn't as much of a thing. But it's worth noting that this movie isn't a holiday favorite across the board. It's not one that you can watch on Christmas Day with the kids, I guess, unless you're British. Maybe that's the case. Bit of trivia. So you know Bilbo's in this movie. Oh, or, yeah. Or Watson, as may be the case. Um, how did you see it last time you saw this movie? How did I see yep. it? I saw it at home on on one of the streaming services. So if you and the live show. <laughs> one of the, so was Bilbo's character featured in the live show? E- yes. So if you've seen this movie, a uh, bit of trivia, if you've seen this movie only on TV, that storyline doesn't exist at all. What? Yeah. So because of the sort of afterthought way that all these characters are introduced and you finally see how they all relate to each other. Yeah. It's just one moment with the uh, the producer character who's directing them in that scene, yeah. who's also the one advising Colin not to go to Wisconsin or whatever. Yeah. He knows that. So how did you two meet? And they're like, um, um, um. They lifted that scene out and the entire storyline. Wow. So in the in the TV edited version, you you wouldn't know. Because you can't you can't edit around them boning. It's, it's just too much trouble to deal with and the movie's already got more than enough relationships and maybe they can make it a tight 100 minutes or whatever it needs to be just lift it out entirely can you elegantly extract that film have you seen the tv version no why would i, I see mean that the, the, that storyline uh, yes I, so i've watched it knowing that that entire storyline is lifted out and from what i can tell it's seamless i mean isn't that an exercise in filmmaking where if you can if a storyline is so inconsequential that it can be lifted out that maybe it doesn't need to exist at all Maybe, but I like that storyline. I like his sort of hapless character and just Judy is charming and cute and all that stuff and they kind of find connection in a way that, even though it was absolutely silly in the way that they met or whatever, was more endearing and more real, it felt to me, than some of the other ones, like the Keira Knightley, uh, Rick Grimes, Walking Dead relationship. Right. A little bit weird and, and, and strained, whereas that one, while it was awkward, was endearing and, and fun and kind of cute, you know? I wouldn't have pegged Martin Freeman as a romantic lead, but we got to see that in yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although he leads alongside like 17 other leads. 
<laughs> and that's part of my problem with the film too, is that they go through these great pains to connect the storylines, to make that point that, oh, these people are all interconnected and they all kind of come in and out of each other's worlds where it doesn't really matter. It's just like a cute storytelling device. It absolutely doesn't matter. It is a cute storytelling device. I don't know that they went to great pains. I think that it's there. And for me, when it finally happens, I'm like, all right, that's fine. Um, but I wasn't like, that doesn't seem believable to me because of how, how. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Tangentially, they're related. It, it was fine. Again, you're, like you said, we're taking this movie with a grain of salt and we're sort of rolling with what they present to us. Okay, what relationships are there in this film? So, we have Alan Rickman and uh, Emma Thompson, who are married, and, and he faces temptation by his uh, co-worker or his subordinate. And she just happens to be the sister of the president. She just happens to be minister. sister of the prime minister, uh, who is just entering uh, his prime ministership and is, learn is, is, is uh, cultivating relationships with his house, with his staff, or whatever. <laughs> um, and then we have... Including his assistant including his assistant. But isn't she also, she's friends with Liam Neeson, yep. who, who just lost his wife, right? Emma Thompson is. No, he, yeah, are they friends or is, is he a brother as well? I think they're friends. Okay, so he just lost his wife and obviously he has his stepson to contend with. Um, we have- That was a cute relationship. Yeah, we have uh, Martin Freeman and Just Judy who meet and find themselves in an awkward situation and certainly an unconventional way to meet anybody. Um, who else do we have? We have uh, Colin, who is uh, with everybody at the wedding and the reception, and he goes off to America to find fortune. We have the Kira Knightley and uh, Walking Dead relationship where she is in, he is in love with his best friend's new bride. Right, but we uh, think he's gay. Uh, or Laura Linney thinks Laura Linney, he's gay. Yeah. So who are we missing? Um, I think that's it. And then those characters in their own storylines have relationships with people like Mr. Bean at the department store or whatever the case may be. Right. See? Okay. This is how convoluted this thing is. But it doesn't have to be. You latch onto some of the relationships that, that, that work for you and you can easily disregard as, as the editors for the TV version did with the Martin Freeman one. If you don't like certain ones, you just, oh, and then of course Bill Nye's character, who's the aging rock star, oh, who right. uh, is trying to find uh, one last gasp of fame. And his relationship is with his manager? With his manager. Um, I don't recall how he ties in with anybody. I think they just see him on TV. Right. Right. He never reacts to I think they else. all see him on TV, yeah. so it kind of unites. It's like an umbrella uniting device. Yeah. And just the broader theme of whether or not it works, regardless of how fantastical, unusual, or awkward it may be, they're all experiencing in their own ways love through whatever circumstances they happen to be facing. Sure. Um, <clears throat> random scene that I don't get was one the one where uh, Alan Rickman's um, subordinate chick is like naked 
or not naked, but she's like in her lingerie. And what's that scene all about? She was just, uh, it, it was a scene with Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman where she opens the Joni Mitchell CD and we cut to, what's her name, in her underpants with the necklace that, w that she believed was intended for her. So the point was just maybe, to show that she had received the necklace. Yes, and maybe and maybe was waiting for him in some you know somewhere, just on her own, thinking about him. Granted, probably no one or relatively few people were looking at the necklace in that scene, so it might have been lost. But I think that was the idea. She opened uh, Emma Thompson opened her Joni Mitchell CD, and at the same time, what's her nuts? opened her box with and put the necklace on immediately in her underpants. Got it. So it wasn't just a gratuitous like lingerie scene. I'm pretty sure it was gratuitous, but it had a, a, a small relevance. Story point. Uh -huh. Got it. I think that maybe my beef with this movie has just almost everything to do. I don't know what it is. Like I think that I have a thing about holiday movies, because this is certainly not the only holiday movie that bugs me. Yeah, I generally don't. I'm not looking for the holiday movie. I've been itching to watch Rudolph for the past couple of years. You mean the claymation special? Uh -huh. Well, that's, I mean, the holiday, I'm making a distinction between, that's a holiday classic. I, I'm talking specifically about the holiday romantic comedy. Yep. Like, I, I can't think of one that I really like. Love Actually bugs me. Then there's um, ho The Holiday. <laughs> oh my God, I hated it. The, um, isn't there like Marley and Me, the dog thing? I don't know. Isn't Again, that a holiday I'm, movie? I don't try to keep up on all the holiday movies. This is a blind spot in my movie going experience. I won't watch them simply because they're holiday movies. And when I do, I try to judge them on their own merit, merits, which is contra contradictory since you now have me in the position of defending love actually, which I never thought I would have to do. Why? What other holiday romantic comedy would you defend? I can't think. I, I can't think of Die Hard. Definitely. That's not a romantic comedy. Yeah. I love Bruce Willis in Die Hard, and there are a lot of funny aspects of that movie. His relationship with Hans Gruber goes through so many ups and downs. <laughs> Granted, he does reconnect with his wife or whatever, but I would not put that in the romantic, holiday romantic comedy genre. I would say that it is as ideal a romantic comedy as love actually purports to be. What other romantic comedies are there? For holidays? Yeah. I don't know. All the everything Reese Witherspoon has ever ever been in. <laughs> they literally name romantic comedies after their holidays now. There's there's Valentine's Day and Labor Day and New Year's Day. Those are all literal titles? Those were all literal titles, yes, but only some of the more comedies. But you know what I mean? There's so many. There's a Christmas blah blah blah. Christmas miracle. What was the one that uh, that uh, Khaleesi was just in? Oh, I heard that was good. Okay. So the reason we're reviewing Love Actually is because trying to find a contemporary holiday movie for this year seems kind of tough. I think we have that that Emilia Clarke movie, or we have Black Christmas. Not exactly a romantic comedy, the horror movie. Oh. But um, we don't need new holiday favorites because we have holiday favorites that endure for decades and likely centuries to come. So, all right. Well, I think that um, it's probably safe to say that holiday romantic comedies are not exactly our um, niche. 
These are movies that are focused specifically on holiday audiences right. to cash in on a Christmas crowd. Hmm. And the people who are looking for this kind of feel-good movie that they can market as the ultimate romantic comedy on top of dozens of other romantic comedies that you could choose from at Christmas time. Yeah, that you honor at Christmas time. But maybe the Bill Nye, is that how you pronounce it? Mm -hmm. Maybe the Bill Nye character is, uh, is the meta reference for this kind of um, Christmas machine, Christmas product machine. Like, you know, the, the Christmas solo album is akin to the Christmas movie that you know is going to be annual. And he's definitely cynical in this movie. And what happened to Bill Nye? He was all over the place maybe 10 years ago, and I haven't seen him lately. Hmm. I really like him. There are some movies, there are some people that you can just watch endlessly, and in this one it's always Alan Rickman for me. Uh, Laura Linney's really good, and Bill Nye, I can watch uh, him just talk about whatever. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm always thinking about who is the... Um, whose actors kind of fallen off the map that I should cast in the film because they're ready and will they're ready for their comeback. Yep, sort of uh, the John Travolta and Pulp Fiction kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, I hope you're doing well, Bill. I hope you hope everything is all right. That's a nice shout out. And I think that's it for Love Actually. Um, so, oh, should we rate uh, this film? Nope. Why not? I think that movies like Love Actually defy ratings. I think that we would draw the ire of anybody listening, thank you, uh, if we were to give this movie any kind of score because just placing it squarely in one quadrant would dishearten or, or would anger the other three quarters. Yeah, I guess I, I understand. Like, what's the point of me saying that um, Love Actually is boring? <laughs> Some of the movies are, what do they call them? They're review-proof or they're critic-proof or whatever, you're going to love this movie or you don't. And if you don't love Love Actually, there's no chance you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> this is not the one to turn you around. If you do love it, uh, I'm sorry on behalf of both of us because we trashed it more than we praised it. But still, it's a movie that I find watchable. I enjoy many aspects of it. Oh, I know what I want to talk about. What? The Brits recently put out a poll of the most hated Christmas standards. What Christmas songs are the most hated? And this spans all the classics, of which there are entirely too many. Would you like to guess at which number one was? No. I mean, yes. I mean, tell me. Number one was Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You. Featured prominently in this movie. Um, at the time, it was much closer to when it was originally released, and people loved it. I don't think Love Actually has aged particularly well. I think the, the right around 2000, uh, when it was released was a different time for haircuts and clothing <laughs> and music and fuzzy sweaters and things um, and watching it now is like listening to Mariah Carey it's familiar and you know that there's talent involved but sometimes it's just too much for too long kind of grating and kind of uh, passe right but there are people who look forward all year to busting out that CD and putting on that song. It's true. Or who listen, who watched the movie just for that song, which I would like to add is the other part that grates on me. I cannot watch that scene anymore. Which one? The performance, the recital at the end, um, where they perform Mariah Carey's hit song. Right, right. All I Want for Christmas is You. All right. Can't watch it. That little kid is pretty gross to me. Really? The kid's cute, and his yeah. little love story is kind of no, no, no. cute, too. Brody Sanger, or whatever, his character is fine. 
the little girl, the the his love interest, the or, drummer yeah. or whatever. Or no, no, he's the drummer. Right, she's he's the, the drummer. The singer performing that tune is weirdly Britney Britney Spearsified for the time. She's got this sensual like eh, kind of vibe that's gross on a little kid. It's just like an over like weirdly sexualized, sensuous kind of thing that should not be in play in this movie. Okay, so it weirds you out. It's it's it weirds me out. Mariah Carey, we get it. For that little girl singing this weird um, kind of sexy version of the song, always creeped me out. And uh, so yeah, that doesn't hold up well because that song doesn't hold up well. But a lot of this movie doesn't hold up well, but I still find parts of it endearing. And uh, yeah, if, if it came on TV, I certainly wouldn't change the channel. I Merry mean, Christmas. I mean, I guess if it's, I mean, that's the thing. You kind of only have to worry about this thing coming out around this time of year. And if it's once a year, you can kind of handle it. Right. However, I would prefer that Love Actually play on all the TVs and all the restaurants over Mariah Carey's single or any of the Christmas music they play. Ad nauseum. You're just I would having, rather just watch that movie over and over again. You're just having post-traumatic stress from having worked at a restaurant and having to, and being subjected to Christmas music. Yeah, that was the Italian uh, Rat Pack kind of Christmas. The Dean Martin stuff. Yeah, I can't take that stuff anymore. But generally, I'm a member of society, and I'm just inundated with, with Christmas music. Just It's so much. So much. <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Merry uh, Christmas. This is, uh, uh, and I, I, I think you are right to apologize to our fans because I don't know why we did a Christmas holiday special where we just bag on a movie. That's what we do in private. We're doing it in the podcast, right? <laughs> I guess so. Well, um, regardless, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have anything you'd like to share with us, feel free to email us at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com or hit us up by leaving us a voicemail about whatever at 818-835-0473. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.